Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Oh, let's magnify the Lord today. Let's exalt his name together. Hallelujah. We praise the name of the Lord, a name that is above every name. Somebody shout Jesus. Amen. 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 So glad that everyone is here this morning. And um, we have been doing a family series. And you may be seated. We've been doing a family series here on Sunday mornings at 10. And um, thank you for... Uh, your prayer and, and uh, talking about Samuel and, and I do want to empower the home because the great revival, the end time is going to happen in our homes. It's going to happen in our houses. It's going to be bigger than the building. And so everybody, uh, or at least most people, not everybody, but most people having a home that can disciple families, their family, families near them, their friends, co-worker. And uh, what I view is, is that what happens Monday through Saturday is celebrated every Sunday. Well, my, my dad used to talk about the prayer request of the Lord was this, and it was uh, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send labors into the field. For the fields are white and they're ready. Everybody said they're white and they're ready. Uh, we have confined God too long into a church building. Do you believe that? And uh, we've confined God too long to a church service on Sunday and or Wednesdays, but he can move every day of the week. Thank you. But uh, we, we believe that the revival is going to be in the home. And what God can do, uh, he, can, he can do this right in our houses. Do you believe that? In 2009, we broke out in the greatest revival in the history of this local church. We, we were baptizing people every single day of the week. They'd walk by the church and, and knock on the door, weeping, and said, I was just walking by. I need to repent. I need to give my life to God. And that, that's what God's going to do. And that's what God is doing. And he, he's not just doing it from a pastor. Uh, I believe everybody in this building is a part of the body of Christ and there's nothing like the body. There's nothing like the church. You are a part of this. We're going to pray it to past fast, seeking the name of the Lord. Amen. I want you to stand and I'm, I'm going to introduce the speaker here in just a moment. Uh, but I want you to lift your hands and pray. God, let, let my home be a, a light in a dark hour. Let my home be a light in a dark hour. Let light come to my house. Let my home be a place of safety and the warmness of your presence. Not influenced by the world, but a light and a salt, God, of the earth. That the home would be empowered. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Everybody says amen. Be seated. I, I want to say that um, in, when I was growing up, when I was growing up in church, uh, just I remember just as a little boy, I mean, it, it, the, the television was a hell of vision. And uh, it probably still is a hell of vision, you know. And uh, I remember the, the antennas, that was the devil's horns, you know, on top of the TV. <laughs> They're talking about the influence, really talking about the influence of, of what media can do in the home. And, and uh, uh, there was, and how many know there's things you shouldn't watch? And the Bible says, don't set that which is an abomination before your eyes. And, I think everybody at some level, at some level of media or whatever, 
uh, you think, oh, I, I wish I'd never seen that. And I can't believe they're showing that. And, uh, um, and so there was a lot of teaching against uh, technology uh, and probably better off in some ways. But what happens is technology ends up outrunning the teaching. And so they didn't know the why of things, why they were wrong. Just the box was wrong. And, um, and so uh, I found something interesting is, is because then Internet came. And, uh, and then how do you handle the Internet? And next thing you know, you have on your watch more access to what they had back in the day with a TV. How many know it's true? Everybody say technology. Last night, you're going to laugh at this, but last night I would pull the piano back and I was doing some trim and painted the wall and Finn came and he said, why do you have to paint behind the piano? He said, nobody's going to see it. That's what he told me. I said, well, maybe just in case. He said, we don't need you. What in the world? Dad, what is that right there? I said, that's a, that's a, I was trying to find how to describe it to him. And I said, that's a plug-in for a, a landline. <laughs> he said, what's a landline? <laughs> you're, you're, you're laughing at this. I said, that's where you have a home phone. He said, what's a home phone? <laughs> Technology has outrun us. And, uh, uh, you know, like, for me to call somebody's home is rare nowadays. And every now and then, and a lot of times it's an older person in the church. But, but a, a, a cell phone is now taken over. And so with that, and I want to be wise in how we train up our children because it has to be, there has to be wisdom with this. Phones are now access to the entire world and, and apps. And Pastor Cody taught a session just before, uh, the year before COVID, when we were doing our uh, midweek uh, uh, breakout sessions. And he taught a session that was so impacting to my home, so impacting to my home. And I told him, I said, I'd like you to take a couple, couple Sundays following the, the series I teach about Samuel and talk about media in the home. Media, social media, the, the, how many know, don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. And what can be a great tool can also be a great problem. The Garden of Eden had a tree of knowledge of what? Good and, it's not going to surprise you, but on the back of my phone there's a, there's a fruit that has a, a bite out of it. Yeah, Apple phone. But, uh. Uh, I want you to stand. I know you stood three times, but you know you need it. You're tired. I'm your, I'm your shepherd. And here in a moment, I'll make you lie down in green pastures, praise God. And uh, just don't sleep on the preacher. Uh, but I want you to open your spirit, open your mind. And say, today I want to learn, like I did as the pastor of this church. When he taught that, it impacted my home, gave me clarity. I want you to, I want you to lift your Lift your hands and say, God, give me a knowledge that I can be, be better, Lord, in the end time. Have knowledge. God, bless our speaker, Lord. I pray for our assistant pastor, Pastor Cody, up to grave, that you would touch him. Let your hand be upon him. Lord, I pray an anointing upon this session. The Lord, the next two Sundays at 10 a.m., talking about meeting the home. Help us to manage it, to balance it, Lord, so we can use it, but not be negatively influenced by it. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. Let's welcome our assistant pastor. Amen. Aren't you, aren't you appreciative of your pastor? We're, we have the best. We have the best pastor in the world, don't we? 
Amen. I want to turn your attention to Second uh, Corinthians chapter two and verse eleven. Very quickly, as you're standing, <clears throat> you're going to be very aware of what I'm reading because it was just said, and uh, I'm thankful to be uh, to, um, to be a part of this church, be a part of the family of God, and uh, I honor I honor the saints of God today, and I honor you today. And uh, we're certainly thankful for Brother Dylan and Sister Paris Morgan that are here that are going to be preaching to us in the 11 o'clock service. We're so happy that they're here. Would you, would you help me welcome them? Love, love them. These are good friends and, and uh, love them very much. 2 Corinthians um, chapter 2 and verse 11, the Bible says, the Bible says, are you there? Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. We are not ignorant of his devices. Turn to a couple people around you and say, don't be ignorant. Pause right there and then say, of Satan's devices. Really emphasize the first three. Don't be ignorant. Of, that felt good, didn't it? That felt good, didn't it? You've wanted to say, some of y'all wanted to say that all week to the person you're sitting beside. You're welcome. God bless you. You may be seated. Yeah, yeah. So we, the, the first, um, my title on this first week of this series is simply Satan's Devices. Satan's um, Devices. I am up here to tell you to throw all media in the trash. I'm just kidding. When I text Emily that, Sister Emily, that, that title, I said, this sounds pretty intense. <laughs> but um, we need to be aware. And while we understand that, that Satan's devices really means, <clears throat> doesn't necessarily mean a device, although I think it's relevant, um, it really means don't be ignorant of his plans or his schemes. How many know that, that uh, and I don't want to get bring attention to the, the, the devil or his plans, but how many know that, that he's smart? He knows what he's doing. He schemes. The Bible says he seeks. Uh, he seeks to and fro and, and is looking for those he can devour. And, and so we have to be aware of his plans and his schemes. And one way, um, especially in this generation, one way that he slips in is, is through media. Media in the home is through cell phones. Um, if you have a if you have a cell phone, let, let's do this. If you have a smartphone uh, that can get on the internet, that can do whatever, would you raise your hand? I'm raising mine. Okay, uh, you can put your hands down. Nobody's looking around. <laughs> everybody in this room has most most everybody in this room has has a smartphone, and so. The goal of this is not, to, is not to say get rid of it. The goal of this is to bring some understanding and some training and some, and some uh, tools uh, to help you better be equipped for your own self or for your child. Um, if, uh, just some statistics before we, get going, before we get going here. If you were to view all of the videos uploaded to the Internet within the past seven days 
it would take you 575 years of constant viewing without a break. The average American spends roughly six hours per day on their phone or on a media device, not related to work. And so, um, and so it is necessary that we talk about something that is so prevalent and that is so um, near where we are. And so um, there are... There are very clear and obvious dangers that technology brings. We have heard uh, of the dangers of, of, of pornography that is available. We have heard of the dangers of, uh, of, of all of these things that are possible. People posing as, um, as teenagers that are really not teenagers with a plan and a scheme. We have heard of all of these things. Uh, um, you know, technology has tried to rip people off and get access to bank accounts and all of these things. This is not necessarily where I'm going with this lesson. More so, the goal of this lesson this morning is for us to better understand why we can't put, why at times we're unable to put down the phone or the tablet. We want to understand the brain. Everybody say the brain. Bible says in Proverbs 13 that good understanding gives favor. And I hope that by the time this series is over that we can have understanding of what we are up against. Can you say amen? Let's talk about the brain. Let's talk about the brain. Every human's brain is wired to seek out pleasure. Amen. Every brain in this room is wired to seek out pleasure. As a matter of fact, your brain, my brain, has reward pathways. Everybody say reward pathways. That are designed to remember pleasurable experiences and seek to recreate them. So when something pleasurable happens, your brain stores that information for future reference. For instance, last night, uh, my wife and I were obligated to go to Tom's ice cream bowl with, uh, with the Morgans. And uh, we, we were obligated to do that. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a challenge. It was really tough uh, being in a place with, with food like that. But, but we made the sacrifice to be there. And, um, and so within that, you know, within that setting, uh, I have in previous times ordered the cake roll. Has anybody, has anybody ever ordered the cake roll at Tom's Ice Cream? Yeah, yeah. Some of y'all need, that's why I'm here, all right? I'm here to educate, all right? You need the cake roll at Tom's Ice Cream. Amen. Praise God. Sister Bounce says amen to that. And, uh, and so I got the cake roll with a scoop of ice cream on top of it. But I didn't get that as it wasn't a first, it wasn't a first for me, okay? I didn't get this weight by just getting that once. Um, I had got that before, and because I knew that that cake roll tasted good, there was something in me, yes, last night that said, I'm going to get that cake roll. I knew I didn't need it. I knew that that wasn't good for me, but, but what does the brain do? The brain 
rewards good experiences. It rewards, it, it seeks pleasure. Somebody say amen to that. It seeks pleasure. And so it will reward when something pleasurable happens, your brain stores that information. But then the next time there is a possibility of recreating that pleasure, your brain releases dopamine along that pathway. So it was, it was my brain's fault. It wasn't my fault. Uh, it released a chemical that caused me uh, to, to, to want to order that again. Dopamine is not uh, the actual pleasure chemical, but it is a sign of incoming pleasure. This is why media is so dangerous is because it is an unlimited resource of pleasure. It can be something that, that, that provides hours upon hours upon hours of pleasure. And that's why the Bible says in Proverbs 21, 17, he that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. Somebody say amen. He that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. He that constantly pursues the, to please the flesh, to please our body, our mind, he that continuously eats cake rolls at Tom's is not going to be a successful person. If you are constantly seeking to please your body, you are going to be, the Bible says we're going to be a poor man, that, that we're not going to have what we need. Everybody say a poor man. We're going to be a poor man. And so uh, we have to, in this age of, of uh, becoming uh, satisfied through technology or through uh, 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 through media, we we have to make the conscious decision and effort to understand the goal of of media. Uh, the the pleasure paths are, are make is what makes addictions so powerful. Uh, those addictions literally move you from your human brain, where thoughts and reason come from, to what what they call your animal brain, where pure instinct resides. Uh, it's just instinct. That's, that's where it makes me happy, and so that's where I run. It switches you over from, from, from human brain to animal brain, where you're just trying to satisfy a need. Technology companies are very aware of this. Technology companies recognize uh, the, 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 the strategy of the brain, and they have obsessed over creating these pleasure paths in your brain for their product. Quite literally, they want you addicted to their product. They want you and I to be addicted to their product. Robert Lustig, a professor of pediatrics, focused on endocrinology at the University of Southern California and author of The Hacking of the American Mind, says technology is not a drug, and you can see this. Technology is not a drug, but it might as well be. It works the same way, and it has the same results. Lustig studies found what happens to our brains when they're addicted, be it to sugar or heroin. He's found that the brain responds to technology much in the same way it responds to addictive substances. Technology, like all other rewards, can over-release dopamine, over-excite, and kill neurons leading to addiction, he said. Too much use of technology can cause stress in the brain, which has two negative effects. 
First, more stress leads the brain to release cortisol, which can kill neurons or the memory center of the brain. Second, the stress can inactivate the brain's prefrontal cortex or the executive part of the brain, which normally limits dopamine and our sense of pleasure or reward. So it does two things. It, it kills the neurons or the memory of the brain, and it also um, inactivates the executive part of the brain, which uh, keeps us, uh, which regulates the amount of dopamine or other substances that we receive. He, see, he goes on to say that adolescents are particularly susceptible to almost every psychiatric disease, schizophrenia, anxiety, addiction, depression, in part because their prefrontal cor cortex is the last part of the brain to develop or develop a sheath that protects neurons. Given teens particular vulnerability and the evidence that brain imaging and kids' behaviors that technology is hurting them. Technology is hurting them. There's a new term that, that is out that, that Pastor recently uh, sent, sent me that they have a scientific term for this, but they are actually finding that technology kills the, kills the memory uh, of the brain, kills the, the ability to store uh, short-term uh, thoughts and memory. It, it, hinders, uh, it hinders your ability to store, to store thought. The goal of technology companies to, is to speed through the pleasure path as quickly as possible and to have you constantly needing their product. Addiction depends on your brain becoming so used to the activity that it needs more stimulation to derive the same amount of pleasure. So you can see that because of the nature of the brain to seek out pleasure, and because of the way technology companies have honed in on this and recognized this, we now are living in a generation where many are addicted to technology. Are you with me? Many are, I'm not, I'm not talking about you right now, I'm talking about your neighbor. All right, that's, that's a joke. I'm, talking, I'm talking, talking to all of us today. That we have, we're living in an age where many have become addicted to technology, and it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Um, and I, I want to focus in on a couple things pertaining, um, pertaining to the brain and, and, and as it pertains to men and, and women in particular. Men have the innate desire to prove competency. Everybody say competency. Men want to show and to feel that they are good at something. All right? If, um, if my son is continuously rewarded or given badges or given uh, a level up on a video game, you want to know what's going to happen? It's going to create the feeling of this is what I am good at. He's competent. And so because he is competent in an area, that is where he runs. Men will run. Men, young men, kids, boys, whatever. They will run to what they are good at. Do you all hear me? Is everybody with me? Men will run to what they are good at. 
And so what do we have to do as parents or what do we have to do as individuals? We have to create, we have to be intentional about training our children to be good at things other than technology. Because I promise you, video games are trying to create competency in your kids. They are. They're trying to create the feeling of you are good at this, so we want you to stay around. We want you to hang around longer. How do they do this? They start them on level one. You hear me? And on level one, it's the easiest. It's the most simple. They, they, they tell you how to do it. Swipe. Swipe left right now. And, and they do it, and it works. And Swipe up right now. And, and they do it, and it works. And, and, and level one is complete. And, and the screen blows up, and confetti falls from the top, and, and, and you've won. And they create all of these good things, and you received this, and you received this many coins, or this many badges, or you've leveled up to level two. What is that doing? That is rewarding an action so that it will be repeated. What gets rewarded gets repeated. Do you hear me? What gets rewarded gets repeated. And so the longer they go, this is how, this is how 30-year-olds end up in the basement of their parents' house not doing anything. Is because at a young age, they were rewarded for, for, for being good at a game, and then they continuously grow in that, and they are successful or competent at something that does nothing for them or anybody else around them. I don't want my children and I don't want myself to be good at something that does not matter. Amen. We cannot, we cannot just sit back as parents or as leaders or even for our own selves. We cannot sit back I realize that there's a very real tidal wave, that it's, that it's around every corner. It's, 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 it's very prevalent. I realize that the wave of media and technology is, is here, and it's here to stay. But we cannot just sit back and be passive about, about putting up parameters and boundaries and being intentional with our children. God has not given us children to, to pastor says it, you, you raise chickens, you train kids. You train children. We, we have to train our children. So what do we do? Understanding that as a father, I am trying to create other areas to make sure that my son is competent. I want my sons to be competent in other areas than technology. So, so for Winston's eighth, eighth birthday, I bought him a BB gun. Amen. Thank you, Brother Iscardo. I need that this morning. And so I, I bought him a BB gun. And Lauren, you know, Lauren is, is, thank God for Lauren. She's reasonable and she, you know, thinks through things. And sometimes I don't. And so she helps me. She says, Cody, this is dangerous. And I said, true. <laughs> it is dangerous. But as a father, I don't want him to just be competent in technology, I want him to be competent in other things like shooting a BB gun. And listen, as a dad, I am okay with the danger of a BB gun if it prevents him from the danger of media. 
There, there, are, there are very real repercussions if you mishandle or misuse a BB gun. I understand that. And so I'm not, I didn't, for his eighth birthday, I didn't just say, hey, son, here's a BB gun. God bless you. It's already loaded. It's already cranked. Just point and shoot. I didn't do that. That would have been, he'd have loved that. But I didn't do that. What did I do? We got out the packaging together. I taught him how to, how to load it. I taught him how to crank it. I taught him how to aim and how to shoot. I've, I've been very intentional with, and he doesn't shoot the BB gun without, without dad. And so I'm, I'm intentional about training Winston on how to shoot a BB gun because we, we cannot, listen, the world is going for the competence of your kids. They're, they're, they're striving for it. They're, they're looking for it. You're, you're good at this. You're, you're great at that. You're, you're, you're doing well at that. Listen, we have to be intentional. Your boy will run to what he is good at, and if he's going to be good at something other than, other than a device that you can just leave him with, it's going to take time on your end. I don't have time. Yes, you do have time. you got to make the time. You've got to make time for your boys. Brother Rowe, I love Brother Chris Rowe in the back. I love how you have trained your boys. Some of the hardest workers in, in the youth group. Uh, we've, got a lot of, we've got a lot of them. We've got a lot of hard workers in our youth group. But, but I'm going to tell you right now, the first boys to jump in on a project is the row boys. The first boys to jump in when there's a drill. Listen, when, there's a, when they hear the sound of a drill, they are running. When they, when, when they see work, they're not running away from it, they're running to it. Why? Because there is a dad involved that says, let me, let me pull you aside, let, let, let's get involved here, let, let me show you how to measure, let me show you how to cut a board. I am the product of a home of a father that taught me to be competent in other areas than media. I am the way I am, I, I, and I'm training the way I am training because of the presence of a father that said, you need to learn how to do this. You're going to learn, you're going to do this with me. Somebody say, with me. You have to be present with them and teach and train them. And, and while it may be frustrating at the first it will pay off in the end. How many feel like you are a broken record when it comes to your child? Take out the trash. Mow the lawn. Weed eat. Put, you know, uh, hang up your, make your bed. Clean your room. How many of you feel like you're a broken record? I'm ministering right now in this room. Every hand lifted, every eye closed. I'm helping somebody. You feel like you're a broken record. You feel like you're, you, listen, you just got to stay consistent. You just got to keep doing what you're doing. As frustrating as it can be, as consuming as it can be, you feel like you're not making any headway, I promise you, you are making a difference. Because as much as my dad might have felt like uh, uh, his training and teaching me how to drive was not working, I promise you, all I think about is, is the things when I'm driving, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't touch my brakes when I'm, when I'm this close to the stop sign. I touch my brakes way, way, way back here because those brakes are going to wear out, you know, and it's just little things. I don't, I don't, I don't squeal my tires and I don't do it because dad was always adamant always. And, and in the moment it, it was okay, dad, I've, I've heard that a hundred times, please, please. I got it. You know, in the moment, in the moment, he might have not felt like it was getting through, but it got through. And so I tell a parent in this room, just keep doing it. 
Just keep plugging away. Just keep training. Just keep teaching. You are making headway even when you don't feel like it. Some parents right now are jumping inside like, oh, I stand on that word. Amen. Okay, second, women or girls have the innate desire to prove, 1033, I got to hurry, have the innate desire to prove their social status or desirability. It is, um, it is, uh, and I I can't speak to understand this fully, and so I made some calls and talked to my wife and and, and some others and Sister Bounds and others and trying to understand um, the brain of of a lady, and and I don't know if we'll ever all understand (laughs) But women and girls desire affirmation. They desire to be validated. Lauren, uh, Lauren said to me, she said, I always knew that my dad was proud of me. And she said, I always knew that I was pretty. She said, my dad always took time to tell me, to let me know, to validate me. My, my parents always told me. That I was special, that, that, I, was, that I was pretty. That it, she, it was constant validation. Um, uh, it was my, my wife, I don't know if you know this about my wife, but she loves heights. She really likes heights. Before we had kids, uh, we had started to make plans to go skydiving. We never did. Um, but uh, uh, she loves heights. But that was cultivated by, by a dad uh, she said, I remember, she said, I remember it like it's yesterday. I was 10 years old and, and, um, and I was, I was nervous, but I wanted to go on the drop tower at Kings Island. And she said, and she said, so my dad grabbed me by the hand and he took me on the ride and, and we went on the drop tower together. And, and, uh, she said that moment really began my love for, for heights. It was a, what was it? It was a moment of validating or affirming what she had felt, what she wanted to do. And so, uh, so, uh, you know, to the husbands in this room, you'll get a long ways. If you just affirm her, if you just tell her what she's, what she's doing, right. You just tell her how pretty she is today, how, how, how nice she looks. And, uh, affirmation goes a long ways. Um, when it comes, uh, to women, can I get an amen from a lady in the room? Please, please help me today, please. Um, uh, Affirmation, validation. Technology companies have designed social media apps to give females as many ways and opportunities as possible to show that they are socially accepted. Social media sites, Instagram, Facebook, these different areas, um, they are designed for girls to be validated and affirmed through likes, through comments, through these different things. Um, There was a program that asked three teenage girls how they use Instagram. According to one girl, she says commenting uh, commenting on an Instagram post is sort of a statement, um, like I want to be friends with you, or I want to get to know you, or I think you're cool. Another girl said, if I get a comment from someone I care about, it makes me feel good. It lifts me up. Conversely, when someone they think of as a friend doesn't like or comment within 10 minutes, these girls said you definitely feel insecure because uh, you expect them to comment, and they don't. And, and so uh, while, while I can't understand that or relate with that, uh, this is a very real feeling and emotion 
for teenage girls. This is a very real feeling and emotion for, for a lot of, of girls in general, that this becomes a place um, uh, where they are affirmed or not affirmed. Technology is designed to keep these girls always logged in, always checking, always looking for another sign of their social status. So what is our role as parents? Our role as parents is to affirm the things that need to be affirmed in their life. It's to validate the feelings and emotions that are correct in their life. Because I promise you that in any teenager, boy or girl, there is a wave, a plethora of emotions that come through. Can somebody say amen? And those emotions at times, those emotions, if, if not guarded or if not um, weeded out, those, those emotions can become a, a pathway of thinking. It can become a place where, where they seek to find validation. I'll give you an example of something uh, troubling. This week I was in Massachusetts for a youth camp and there was a young lady that identified as a cat. It's true. As, as, as awful and horrible and heartbreaking that is, this is closer to home than we realize. And, and I'll say with everything that I'm saying, um, that I'm saying in this session, the, the, the phrase, well, not my kid, or, or not me, it doesn't work. Uh, the statistics that are here are also prevalent. I'm going to tell you, it's in the church. It's in the church. It, doesn't make us, it, ma it makes us human. It doesn't, make, it doesn't make us bad people. It makes us human, affected at times by, by the pressures of a world. It's, it's in the church. And so we can't just say, well, my kid's saved and they're going to be all right. We can't do it. We can't, we can't, we can't say my, 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 kid, my kid's strong enough for that. No, they're not. They're, they're not. They're, listen, as, as saved and as good and as wonderful as they may be, there are still things in their body that are not developed until they get into their 20s. And so they're not able to make these conscious decisions. And so, and so I, I say all of that to say that we have to be a voice that affirms and validates the correct emotions that come. Because there, there is a slew of emotions that come. At some point, that girl had an emotion or saw a friend or a peer that identified as an animal. And so because of that, I, I guarantee you the reason, one of the reasons she identifies as an animal is because there's another person in her world, albeit a friend that she is physically seeing or a friend that she is seeing on media, there is another person in their life, in her life, that is affirming what she believes to be true. And so we have to affirm the things that are of God, the things that are right. We have to take time to say, listen, honey, this isn't, this isn't, you're not this, but this is who you are. You're a child of God. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Before he formed you in the belly, he knew you. He ordained you. There's nobody in the world like you. We have to take time to validate and affirm the teachings of the word of God in their life. Amen. Um, be seated. I, I've got five minutes. I'll be very quick. Believing you are lonely and there is no one who can help is called perceived social isolation. Uh, perceived social isolation. This is a very real thing 
that, that this generation is dealing with. Studies have consistently shown that smartphone usage, usage increases the feelings of perceived social isolation. There's no one who can help. I'm lonely. There's nobody around. Uh, smartphone usage has increased this emotion. Uh, PSI is insanely dangerous to your health. It is as physically dangerous as smoking or obesity because your body is in a state of constant stress. Teens are spending less time physically hanging out with friends than they ever have. And yet, uh, we're more connected than we've ever been, but yet they're spending, teenagers are spending less time with people, actual physical people, than they ever have. Addiction to phones has caused a spike in uh, depression and anxiety. We, we're, we're all aware of this. Uh, I, and I could go on with the statistics. For the sake of time, I'm not going to. Um, when your child has nearly unlimited access to social media, you are granting, uh, you are granting them unlimited access to people that you do not know, to people that you do not trust, and to people that you would never allow in your home. You are allowing them continuous access to people that don't believe the way you believe. When you have no boundaries in your life or on your phone or on your devices, can I say, can I, can I say something strong and, and real? Y'all okay? There's not one phone in this building that should not have some sort of limitations. Amen. There's not one device in this building that should not have some sort of limit. I'm 31 years old and I have limitations. Not because I'm this crazy person that is, you know, I'm, 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 I promise you I'm not doing wrong, but I have parameters because, because I don't want there to ever be an opportunity for me to go to a place that I'm, listen, it, in this generation, it takes one swipe for you to see something that you never planned on seeing. And you know it's true. One swipe and you see something that's not right. Listen, you're worth protecting. I'm, listen, the gift that's in me is worth protecting. The gift that's in you is worth protecting. There has to be some parameters. Amen. These, these problems are, are in the church. Uh, there's a survey of a youth group in, in our organization of 15 young people that, that he asked some questions and um, five out of 15 youth have seen people be bullied. Three have been bullied online. Seven have deleted a message from their phones so their parents wouldn't fix it. Six know how to send messages to friends in a way that their parents can't find it. Seven out of 15 young people in a UPCI youth group have sent a text or direct message to a member of the opposite sex that was about sex. Seven have sent, um, have sent inappropriate photos of themselves to someone else. Nine have tried drugs or alcohol. Nine have viewed a video online that my parents would be angry if they knew I watched it. Eight have viewed pornography and it was not an accident. Four have promised themselves that they would stop viewing pornography only to view it again anyways. Fourteen have experienced anxiety or depression. Nine, uh, nine have felt that last more than one week. Ten have considered hurting themselves. Um, too many 
these, these statistics are prevalent in the church. It's very real. And, we, and if we are going to grow, if we are going, because listen, media, as Pastor said, media can be a great tool or it can be a great hindrance. And if we are going to use it for the way in which it is intended to be used, there has to be some proper limitations. There has to be some actions that we take, some next steps that we take to make sure that we are using media and technology in the right way. Here's, here's something common, and, and I'll leave you with this. Uh, the people who created this technology all have one thing in common. Once they became parents, they put strict limits on their child's screen usage. Steve Jobs, the creator of Apple, the creator of, of, of the phone that many of us have, um, uh, Steve Jobs, when asked by a journalist if his child loved using the iPad, that he asked if his kids loved, loved to use it. He said they haven't used it. He said we limit how much technology our kids use at the home. Steve Jobs' biographer said every evening Steve made a point of having dinner at the big long table in their kitchen discussing books and history and a variety of things. No one ever pulled out an iPad or computer. The kids did not seem addicted at all to devices. If the world is doing this, if the creators of this are doing this, how much more so should the church be doing this? Amen. We must be, and, and I realize the feeling can be overwhelming, but I'm telling you, it's possible. If we can be intentional with our time, if we can be an in, intentional with the, the, the next steps, it's very possible. Everybody say it's possible. I want you to stand with me. Proverbs chapter 22 and 28. This is where I'll kind of move into next week. I'll, I'll, today was maybe a little bit of an overview. Next week will be a little bit more of some how-to things or some practical things. Proverbs 22 and 28 says, Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. We have landmarks that have been set by our fathers, by, by our pastor, by, by those that came before, before us. We have landmarks that have been set. But can I say to you that we are in a place that our elders have never been? We are in a place with technology that there was, there was no line set. You're not going to find in this Bible, thou shalt not download TikTok. You hear me? You're, listen, in a new, and I'll get into this next week, but when the children of Israel went to a new land, the first thing the Lord did was set new lines, new boundaries. And so here's the point. For every new land, every new place, I'm not talking about changing the old boundaries. I'm not talking about changing any of that. I'm talking about when we go to a new place, which we are at, we have to draw some lines. We have to draw some parameters and some boundaries that we, that's where we are right now. We're, we, we've, we've seen the effects of this. We've seen, we've seen what it's done in the past. And listen, in this new land, we must have new lines. Is there anybody in this room that would say, I want to be a part of setting some new lines, some boundaries, some parameters? 
Lift your hands, let's pray. Lord, I love you. I thank you, God, for these wonderful people. Lord, I pray today, oh God, that we would understand, God, that we would have understanding, God, about how our child, our, our, even our own minds function and think and work when it comes to technology. I pray, Lord, that you would help us. You have given us power over every adversary. You have given us power over every scheme and every device of the enemy. And I pray today, Lord, that your people would use what you have put in them. Give them prudence, Lord. Give them prudence to be, uh, uh, to be faithful, Lord. Give, give us, God, discretion on what we need to do and, and where we need to go in this. Help us, Lord, to be wise with media in our home. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord. God bless you. Don't forget to pick up your children. We'll see you back in the sanctuary in a few minutes for our family worship service. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.